powerful verse that we will read today that we all know you will receive power. We've preached about it. We've talked about it. We've sang about it. And, and, and I believe that God wants to promise us and show us power. But he gives us some directions to do that. I want you to open your Bibles with me this morning. Acts chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse number 4. Acts chapter 1, verse number 4, reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. This is what the Word of the Lord says. And being assembled together with them, he, he being Jesus, them being the disciples and followers, and being assembled, assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water. But you shall be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and into the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come to you right now. Lord, I thank you for your power. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for your mercy and your grace. And Lord, I ask that you would just reach down right now and send your strength. Send your anointing on me, Lord. Allow me to preach the words that you have birthed into my heart. Lord Jesus, let us see your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. You may be seated this morning. I love this passage of Scripture. My wife just rolled her eyes. It's one of my favorite passages. I, I, not every Sunday. Um, Crystal said, he says that every Sunday. I, I love, I love the promise of Pentecost. I love the promise of his power. I I'm going to let you in on a secret that some of you may not have been able to figure out yet. I'm Pentecostal. I'm spirit-filled, tongue-talking, dance-pew-walking Pentecostal. I, I love being Pentecostal. I, I went through a time in my life where I, I listened to the voices and said, Oh, now you need to calm down just a little bit. You need to teach more than you preach. And I went through that season, but all of a sudden the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of me. And the Holy Spirit reminded me that I've got a responsibility as a Pentecostal preacher to be who I say I am. And I, without reservation, without apologies, am Pentecostal. You, you hear me preach, I'm going to get loud. I'm not mad at anybody. Well, sometimes I'm not mad at 
I move around when I preach. I get loud when I preach. And every once in a while, you're going to hear something come out of my mouth that's not English. That's the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the, oh, come on, I'm going to say it again. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe that we need the power of Pentecost. I am sick and tired of the world telling us that we need to calm down. I'm tired of church growth people saying, well, now, if you... You'll just relax just a little bit. Let Pentecost, let, let the Holy Spirit move in small groups and, and on, on side services. But don't, don't offend people on Sunday morning. I got news for you. It's the signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit that's going to change a world that's dying and going to hell. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not afraid to let people know that it is the power of the Almighty God that moves in our life, moves in our bodies in ways that we can't control, in ways that we don't know what else to do but to do a little dance and do a little jig. Sometimes I get enough of God in me that I just want to bounce a little bit. I'm too fat to bounce. I'm too fat to dance. But sometimes I feel so good. All I want to do is a little dance. If a fat man can dance in the spirit, the spirit can do anything. Amen. I'm Pentecostal. I pastor a Pentecostal church. Let me tell you something. We are different. We are different. There's only a handful of Pentecostal churches in this town. There's just a handful. And we are different. Oh, I love, I love uh, Pastor John Davis down at Calvary Baptist. I think he is such a cool dude. I, 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 I love talking to him. I love visiting with him. I, I, I think he's doing a great job, but he ain't like me. There, there's something different between me and him. Oh, I, 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 love, I, I love the pastor at United Methodist now, but I really liked the last pastor at United Methodist. I, I, I loved him. I often said, and his name just jumped out of my head. Somebody help me. John Rice. Uh, I, I love John Rice. I, I once said reluctantly that if I moved to town and if they would speak in tongues, I probably would go to his church because I, I loved hearing him tell stories. I loved hearing him talk. He was such a cool dude, but we're different. See, there's something not there that is here. And, and, and I believe that they're reaching people. I believe they're touching people. I believe lives are being changed and I pray for them every day. Tonight, I will pray for those churches that are not Pentecostal. But I got news for you. I'm still Pentecostal. This church is still Pentecostal. We still believe in speaking in tongues and laying on our hands. We believe in miracles. We believe in shouting and jumping and hooting and hollering. Yeah, there's a few people going. I still like to preach like a wild man with my eyes all glazed over because I want the power of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I want to walk in that power. But but changes everything. I believe in being Pentecostal, 
But I believe we have messed this up so bad that we got to go back to the beginning to start over. I... My fear is, my concern is that we've made Pentecost about the run. We've made Pentecost about the shout. We've made Pentecost about the volume. We've made Pentecost about tongues. And oh, if we can just get that, we can stay inside our little four walls and we can shout and we can cry and we can dance all day long and nobody will bother us and we won't bother them. That's not Pentecost. That's a cult. When we go back to Acts chapter 1, Jesus prepares us for Pentecost. And in his preparation for Pentecost, he gives us some instructions that teach us how to truly be Pentecostal. At this point, nobody's heard a heavenly language. Nobody spoke in tongues. There's been no clothing tongues of fire. There's been no mighty rushing wind. That happens in Acts chapter 2. But in Acts chapter 1, that hasn't happened yet. But Jesus prepares us. He shows us. And here's what he tells us. The first thing he says in verse number 4 says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard me say. Stay. Can I tell you why some of us haven't walked in the power of the Holy Ghost yet? Because we haven't learned to stay. Y'all need me to sit down on this side more than they did on that side. You can't stay in a church. You can't stay in a marriage. You can't stay on a job. You sure can't stay in an altar. Everybody look at me like, <gasps> Let me tell you something. If we want the power of the Holy Ghost, we got to learn to stay. We got to learn how to tarry. The King James says, tarry until you be anew with power. Oh, I love that word, tarry. It means more than stay. It means wait. It means, it means endure. It means go through. It means, you know how long they had to stay? Ten days. I got a, I got a stupid dog. I mean, I've got a dog. And, and, and my dog will sit about 80% on command. Milo will sit and he'll sit down. But when I say stay, stay to Milo's little dog brain means sit there for three seconds. I stayed. You know, that's how we act. God says, wait, Terry. You know what we do? Oh, God, I need your power. I need, Lord, I just want to reach you, Lord. I want your victory. I want your strength. Now, 
Lord, I'll wait forever. I'll hold on. Lord, the restaurant's going to close. Lord, I'm going to hold on to the horns of the altar and I'm going to endure for you. God, everybody else is gone. Lord, I'm going to wait next time. We come and we get in an altar and if God doesn't give us a microwave blessing, we don't want to wait for anything else. Well, I got news for you. Our problem is we got a lot of people been growing up and living and surviving on spiritual microwave dinners when God says, if you'll take the time to sit down, I want to cook you a dinner. I want to cook you a meal. Oh, I've become a cook lately. I'm proud of my cooking. Yes, all it is is following directions, but I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And, and, and I got news for you. The best meals that we have are the ones that take more than five minutes. I got some meals that will take me right at an hour to fix. Time I cut the vegetables and, 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 and cook this and cook that and finish that in the oven and make this sauce and that. And, and, and for an hour... I'll be busy, not just waiting for it to cook. I'll be busy working on dinner for an hour. Now, I got news for you. When I cook one of those meals that the the recipe card says it's going to take you an hour to cook, man, I follow every detail. I make sure I got everything. But when it comes time to serve it, I don't throw it on a paper plate. No, 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 no. I get out the good plates. And I don't just throw it on the plate. I look at that card and I see how they got it plated. And I plate that thing just like it is. If I got to drizzle something on the top of it and put a lime here. And, uh, I, we first started doing this dinner program. I brought first dinner to the table and I had lime quarters on it and I had drizzle over it. And Beth says, wow, it looks fancy. I said, if I'm going to work that hard at it, it's going to look like that card looks. But it takes time. It takes time. Our problem is we've become satisfied and we've become in our spirit the way many of us have become in our flesh that fast food's good enough. McDonald's is okay. We don't need to wait any longer. We don't need to wait for this, that, or the other. I got news for you. Jesus' first instruction was to stay. Wait. I want it now. Can I tell you, waiting's been a part of the Bible, the entire Bible. I've shared this before, forgive my redundance. Joseph waited 22 years from the time he had his dreams till he got to the palace. 22 years. Think back 22 years ago. I was skinny. Beth was young. And Anthony was a baby. 22 years. David was anointed to be king somewhere around 16 years old. 14 to 16 years old. And if I remember my history right, 
Somebody may be able to correct me. I believe that he was installed as king somewhere around 30. It was either 30 or 40. I think it was 30. He had to wait. Think about being told something when you're 14 or 15. And when you're 21, not only are you not the king, you're running from the existing king who's trying to kill you. You're having to act like you're crazy so people don't, in foreign lands don't kill you. He had to wait. Moses was saved from the Nile as an infant. He was 40 years old when he killed the Egyptian and went into hiding. He hid for 40 years, and he was 80 before he come back to lead the children of Israel. Think about that. Your mama tells you, oh, God saved you for a reason. There's a purpose in your life. God's going to do something in you. The next thing you know, you're a murderer and you're hiding out on the backside of the desert. And all of a sudden now you're 80 years old. And you see this crazy burning bush. You don't even remember the promise anymore. It's so out of your mind that when God says, go deliver my feet, you go, oh, no, not me. I'm past my time. God said, wait. God said, wait. I got news for you, church. Until we learn to wait, we can never go. Until we learn to pull back, get in an altar. I'm going to say a dirty word here. I'm going to say a four-letter word. Forgive me. I know I said one last week, but I'm going to say one again this week. Till we get in the altar, we pray and we fast Come on now. We don't fast. We don't want to fast. You know why we don't want to fast? Because it takes too much time. It takes too much energy. It's too difficult. It's too hard. Why can't God just answer my prayer? Why can't God just give me this? Because Jesus said, Terry in Jerusalem, wait until you be endued with power. I got news for you. There's something coming for you, but it may not come in your time. It may not come when you want it. It may not come right at the moment you think you need it. But if you'll hold on, if you'll hold on, it's going to be there it's going to make its appearance if you'll just wait on it we got to stay but when we stayed the power will come when they stayed they got to the upper room 10 days later of prayer business worship and when the day of Pentecost was fully come they saw they heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind and they saw what appeared to be clothing tongues of fire that split apart and set upon each of them. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. They experienced an anointing. They experienced a power. A power. The power of wind. The power of fire. The power of spoken word. Oh, I can talk about the power. But they had to wait for it. But then he says... I'm going to get a little out of order here. Verse 8, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witness. You shall be witnesses to me. And I'll come back to that in a minute. 
in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says, you got to not only stay, you got to go. Ooh, wait a minute. You just told, told us to stay. You stay till you get power, then you go. See, those of us that have learned to stay have become attached. Oh, I found the power here. I can't leave here. The power came in this altar. This is where I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This is where I started speaking in tongues. This is where the power is. I've got to, I can only get the power here. God never intended for you to be attached to the place that the power came. He intended for the power to come to for, to push you to go. The church did not remain in the upper room. It flowed out of the balcony and around the world. But now, 2,000 years later, too many people have tied the power of Pentecost to an altar. There's no shout, there's no anointing, there's no move of God outside the altar at church. I'm not going to challenge whether or not you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know what baptized means. I'll get on this a little bit next week, but you know what baptized means. It means submersed. It means covered by. When we say we're baptized by the Holy Spirit, it means that we are submersed in the Holy Spirit. We are covered by the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to challenge whether or not you're baptized in the Spirit, but I got news for you. If you're submersed in the Spirit in the altar, you better be submersed in the Spirit at Walmart. If you're submersed in the Spirit in the altar, you better be submersed in the Spirit when your wife won't listen to what you're telling her. If you're submersed in the Spirit in the altar, you better be submersed in the Spirit when your boss tells you that you really need to get to the hospital and bring those reports in no matter how you got to do to get here. Talking to Sister Lou today, and she's telling me about the track she had to make to get some reports in this week. Let me tell you something. We, if we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we can't get connected to a location because that power sent us to go. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. It sent us to go. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what go means? Go means not here. Go means someplace other, someplace different. Do you understand that go means change? Can I tell you another thing we do in the church, especially in the Pentecostal church? Oh... That song was playing when I got the Holy Ghost. Now that's the only anointed song that we can play. 
Oh, it was it was that kind of music. Brother so and so was singing that music, that that southern gospel, that that contemporary, whatever. I don't care what style it is. If we think that's the only style of music that can bring the Holy Ghost, we're trying to stay when God has said, I don't give you the power to go. You know the other thing we do? We want to stay with our four no more. Oh, okay, I can shout in church because everybody that comes here knows that we're a shouting church. I mean, we know we got some gawkers. What in the world are they doing? I, I love sometimes seeing new people come to church, especially when the Spirit starts moving because they're like, I had somebody come up to me one day after a service. They were a visitor, and they come up. I don't even think it was here. I don't even remember where it was, but they come up to me, and they said, Pastor, what language were they talking? Well, that was a heavenly language. Pastor, why did you push those people down? I remember the first time I prayed for somebody that fell out in the Holy Spirit. This is no joke. I was in Murphy, Oklahoma, a little old bitty town out in the middle of town. Of, the, the city limit sign says population 98, counting dogs and cats. And, and had a little old church that ran about 110 at the time. Ran more than the town. And, and we were having a revival, having a great move of God. And, and we had a prayer line. I forget what I preached, but I had a prayer line. And I'm praying, and, and I was a young preacher. And I laid my hands on this lady, and she went, whoom. And no joke, I went, I didn't do it. I, I didn't push her. I was scared to death. I about fell down because I didn't know what to do. She fell down. I've been around this all my life, but I, nobody ever fell down when I prayed for them. Why would you push them down? Oh. See, we get comfortable with the people we know. You know how I know that's true? Because, pay attention, sometimes we're in bad shape. Because sometimes we'll have an Easter Sunday or a, or a, or a, or a, uh, a Christmas service, and all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, praise God, I, <laughs> we'll have an we'll Easter service or a Christmas service, we'll have a lot of visitors. And if the spirit starts moving, you watch half the church will start going. They don't know what's going on. We need to. Hmm. We're not ready to go. But when we truly get the power, we want other people to experience the power. When revival hit our church in South Carolina, my teenagers had the power. They were embarrassing. I wouldn't go to eat with them. If you went to Applebee's with my youth group, which we did periodically because there wasn't a whole lot of places to eat, and, and you'd go out there, and if you said, somebody pray for the food, I promise you there'd be tongues in interpretation. I just want to eat. Those kids are like, oh, if two of them went to the bathroom and they didn't come back in a little while, you better send somebody to check on because when you got in there, one of them would lay it out on the floor. 
I'm telling you stuff that's happened. I'm not saying it could. I'm talking stuff that's happened. Tongues and interpretation while we were trying to bless the food. People prayed for each other in the bathroom at a restaurant, and one of them laid out on the floor. One of my teenagers was standing in line at a Dairy Queen, wasn't even with the church group. And all of a sudden, somebody comes in, and they're cussing behind him, just cussing up a blue streak. And all of a sudden, he spun around and said, in the name of Jesus, I cast that demon of foul language out of you and laid hands on this dude in Dairy Queen. Can I tell you how I was? Lord, we need to stay back. <laughs> we, need to, we need to stay in the church. Let me tell you something. It's time that we start going. What did the early church did? They went. They started coming out of the room, going to the, to the patio, and Peter preached, and 3,000 got saved. Then they went into the temple at the hour of prayer, and they gave of what God had given them. Then they went before the high, before the council. Then they come back and said, oh, we need to be, we don't, we don't need to be careful. We say we need to share more. 5,000 get saved. They wound up, Going around the world. We've got to go. We've got to get out in the streets. I'm so tired. I say this all the time. I'm tired of church. I'm tired of hiding inside the four walls. I'm tired of looking around. Saying nobody's here. That's not your problem, that's mine. Because the truth of the matter is, if we'll get on fire for God, I believe the church will fill up, but if we'll get on fire for God, it doesn't matter who's here, it matters who's out there. If we'll get to a mindset, that we're more concerned with spreading the fire than containing the flame. If we can get to the place that we're more concerned with spreading the word, than burying the word, we start going. You know what happens when you start going? People start, people's lives start changing. They start getting saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. And it doesn't happen in the church. All of a sudden, some of them come here. Some of them go other places, and the fire spreads. The fire spreads because we go we got to stay. we got to go. And we got to share. You shall be witnesses to me, it says in verse 8. Pastor, you went out of order. Y'all went out of order because the way he worded this, he was telling them what they would do when they go. You know what our problem is? Some of us just want to share.
in church. We've come to a place that we think this is the only place from which we can share. And because of that mindset, we've decided that there's only one person that's responsible to share. It's me. No. He said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He says, you will go and you will share. You will tell people. I don't care if you run the aisles. I don't care if you speak in tongues. I don't care if you jump up and down, stand on your head and spin on your nose. If you're not sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ out there, you're not fulfilling the power God's given you. Somewhere down the road, we made it in the Pentecostal church about the shout. But if we're not out there sharing, if we're not telling people about Jesus, we have become the most arrogant, egotistical, stuck-up people in history. You know why I know that? Because we don't tell anybody about Jesus. Well, why is that? I'm just shy. No, you're arrogant because you've got a pathway that gets you to eternal life in heaven. And you look at people in your family. You look at people on your job. You look at some of you people in your house. And you say, you know what? It's okay if you die and go to hell. I'm okay. Let me tell you something, church. We've got to start sharing the gospel. Had something come to me in my sleep the other night, or my pre-sleep, I should say. I was laying in bed, wasn't asleep yet. And, and, and many of you know, I sort of have a personal mission. That's powerful, simple, and true. I want my ministry to be powerful, simple, and true. And we've been talking in our church about, about um, uh, core values that lead us to our mission. And I was sort of thinking, I laying in bed thinking about What are my core values that lead me to being powerful, simple, and true? And one of the things came to my mind is that the gospel has to be understood to be the good news. The gospel has to be understood to be the good news. And what that means is we can't just go out and go, oh, I got saved, and blah, blah. But we've got to go out and share the good news in a way that people understand it. That's the power that God gave us. He gave us the power to carry something out there that they don't know about. They don't understand it. They haven't heard it. They haven't accepted it. But he has given us power to be witnesses. Thank God he didn't say, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, I'll give you power to run the aisles. I'll give you power to speak in new tongues. Oh, I believe in running aisles. I believe in speaking in tongues. But they're byproducts. They're evidences. I'll fight you tooth and toenail. I believe that 
speaking in tongues is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Initial means first. I mean that if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, I believe you will speak in tongues because I believe it takes that to walk in the power that God has given us. God has united us in a heavenly language, in a spiritual language, so we can do the impossible. When we give over control of the words that come out of our mouth, we are truly been baptized. We have truly been consumed. I know some people nowadays say, well, you don't have to speak in tongues. I got news for you. I believe it is the initial evidence, but thank God Almighty, it's not the only evidence. Nor is it the most important evidence. When I was a baby, when I was a baby, I was on the floor one day. I don't remember this, but I know it happened. I was on the floor one day, and I had rolled over, and I was crawling. And I don't know if it was my mama or my daddy. said, come here, come here. And all of a sudden, somehow, I got up on my feet, and I went. And I took a step, and I fell down. On my diaper. That step was the initial evidence that I could walk. But now, almost 50 years later, I may get up as slow as I did that day. But once I'm up, I can walk, I can take steps. I can take big steps. I can skip. Uh, see, I used to. Can I skip? Yeah, I can skip. <laughs> tell you what, you don't skip often at 50, I'm going to tell you. I can run sometimes. Not very far. But if I had acted in my life like many of us act in the church, all I'd ever do is one step and follow my diaper. It's the initial evidence, but it's not the last evidence. Let me tell you something. When we get tongues, we know we've got the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost was sent for us so we could share. So we could tell the story. So we could tell people about the love of Christ, about the mercy of Jesus, about the judgment of Jesus. So that we could get outside the doors of this church. And we could tell people that it's real. That Jesus died for them. I'm media crazy. Most of you know that. I love video and pictures. But if it wasn't for that, and I still probably would love to deal with it, there's a part of me would love to have just windows all around our sanctuary. With no curtains, no blinds, 
Oh, everybody had to deal with trying to read words on the slide on the screens would hate me. But I'd love it to be that way. So when people drive by, they could see us with their hands up. Okay, or in this church, they could see us with our hands up. That even when we were being recharged, we were witnessing. One of these days, I have a dream. I, I, I would love to have, speaking of technology, I'd love to have one of those video signs, video board signs. Wouldn't it be awesome if you had one of those? And then while we were having church, maybe we couldn't have windows, but, man, we could have the video of our service playing on that sign while we're having church. Except I, I wouldn't have it on me. I, I would set the thing up, and I would let it video the people in the church worshiping, celebrating. People are like, I'm going to find where that camera's not at. I ain't. Had a friend of mine started a church in a mall. It was a big plate glass window. He said it was pretty cool. Said said you get in there and start having church. Said especially like Wednesday night services. Said people would be walking in the mall and look, and they could see you having church. They could hear us having church. He said you'd be amazed how many people stopped in that church because they were walking by and they saw us worshiping God. We got to share. We got to go and tell people. If we can't put it on a sign, we can't put windows up, but you are our window. You tell people. Oh, oh, you got to come see my pastor. He's weird. <laughs> this past Sunday, he got down on the floor, got up, took a step, and fell down. And he wasn't even drunk. With wine, but with the Spirit. Uh, but we got to tell. Hey, teenagers, one last story. I'm going to close. When I had my, when I was youth pastor in St. Louis, we, we started having 24-hour lock-ins. That's partial insanity. But, but, our lock-ins wasn't just games. We would take a tw- we would go from seven o'clock on a on a Friday night to seven o'clock on Saturday night. We would be there for twenty four hours, and we would have twelve to fourteen hours of classes and services in that twenty four hour period of time. And we would pick a topic. We 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 did one on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And I taught them for a 24-hour period of time in-depth teaching on what the Holy Ghost was, the power of the Holy Ghost. And then in their off time, they would play some games, and they would do this, and they'd do that. And one of my teenagers, and I don't remember if it was that lock-in or one of the others, he was a bit of a comedian anyway. And as we were doing the lock-in, somehow he got to looking at the book of Leviticus. Now, if you've never read the book of Leviticus, you need to. I used to say, when I got here six and a half years ago, I said, I hate the book of Leviticus. I'm almost in love with it now. Not quite, but almost. Not because 
I still reading it is a bit of a chore. You know, you know, if you've got a if you've got a sore, if there's a hair in it, if the hair's white, then you got to do this. If the hair's black, dear Lord. Never mind. I'm not going to go there. My wife's got a lot of white hair, but anyway, uh, uh, well, somewhere. Anyway, um, I've got a few. I've got a few. I tell everybody. I believe that gray means wisdom and understanding and smarts. Uh, and I don't have a whole lot of gray in my head. I got a lot of gray around my mouth, so I guess that means I got a smart mouth. Um, but um, but th- this, this young boy, he got to read in, in Leviticus, he got to read in all these crazy laws that seem really crazy to us nowadays. He goes to school. And uh, they are asking one day in, in, in his uh, study hall class, they said, what did you do? Everybody said, what did you do this weekend? He's like, well, I did a whole weekend at the church. And we had, oh, man, that sounds boring. He goes, no, not really. So let me show you this. And he goes to Leviticus, and he starts showing them some of these crazy rules. And everybody, and he's doing it in a way, he's making people laugh, and he's got everybody laughing. And he says, Pastor Tommy, I knew it was coming. He said, I did that for about 10 minutes, showing them different things. He said, and somebody said, well, what else is in the Bible? He said, Pastor Tommy, I had it marked. I flipped the Bible over to the New Testament, and I gave them the gospel story of Jesus Christ. He said, and the whole time I told the story of Jesus dying for our sin, he said, I was sitting at my desk. He said, and there were 14 kids crowded in around my desk listening to every word I said. What was he doing? He was sharing. He stayed, he went, and he shared. God bless that young man. He's now, I believe, working in a local church doing worship. But for a season, he traveled doing worship with Joyce Myers. You know why? You know why God would open a door for that? Because... He stayed, he went, and he shared. You want God to open doors in your life? Be willing to go. Be willing to share. We have on the back wall back here a place out in the hallway, a place to mark people who get saved as an outreach of our church. I've got a few slashes I need to add to it. But realistically... Y'all should be coming in every week. Pastor, you need to add another mark. I led so-and-so to, work, to the Lord. I led, I led this one to the Lord. I led that one to the Lord. Oh, Pastor, I, I can't do that. Yeah, you can. That's why you have power. We got to stay long enough to get the power. But then we got to go with it and we got to share it. When we do that, That is the purpose of the Holy Ghost. Now, next week, we're going to pick up with these same verses, and we're going to talk about the baptism. Jesus says, you've been baptized with water. Pretty soon, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. John says, I baptize in water, but there's one coming after me that baptizes in fire. We're going to talk about the baptism of the anointing. We're going to... 
We're, we're not going to do the anointing services like we've been doing, but next week I am going to have an opportunity to anoint anybody that wants to be anointed. Not the way we've done, not the symbolic way we've done, but with a simple anointing. An anointing that's less oil and more spirit. And in two weeks from today, we're going to talk about giving the blessing. Giving the blessing. Giving something. Giving everything. We're going to talk about giving as fathers give. All of this is what the Holy Ghost is about. I love the shout. I love the tongues. But it's about so much more than that. And we've got to run in the power that God has given. Let's bow our heads together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you right now. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. And Lord, we ask you, let us run with your power. Lord, let us stay until we've got it. Let us go with it and let us share it to others. In Jesus' name, amen.